everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Gaming the System, the podcast where three intersectional feminists examine gaming through a feminist lens. Today, we are two of us. I am Matt. And I'm Alex. Hello. And I'm Alex. Um, the two of us are recording an episode on God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. Yes, the um, And yes, the DLC that has uh, come out uh, recently. Um, in this episode, there are going to be a lot of spoilers because we're going to be talking through the story, the characters, new and old, um, how they interact, and uh, our impressions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, before we start, though, if you want to support us, uh, you can find us on Patreon with some exclusive content at patreon.com slash system. Or if you want to send us a one-off payment or donation, then you can uh, send it via PayPal, uh, sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com. Okay, so we started off, so Kratos and Mimir rowing through the mists, mm-hmm. having received an, uh, an enigmatic invitation on the letter, inviting them to, I think it was test themselves, yes. an invitation to a test. Um, not a summoning is a very it's in god of war it tends to be you get threatened into doing something or like at the start the start of the start of um god of war immediately there's a threat that mm. forces you to action whereas this is a just a gentle uh if you feel like it come and have a look um so the first playthrough you, uh, it's it's an empty beach. You go and Kratos forces the door open, which is hysterical. <laughs> um, and what was so? What was your experience of that bit and the first playthrough? I kind of had a feeling that it would be um, a scripted loss, as as gamers like to call it. Um, being a roguelike, I was like, well. We've got to get used to the system of the roguelike. So I knew that there was going to be a big fight in it which in which we would inevitably die and then end up back at the start. So I kind of had in the back of my head that that was going to be happening. But the framing of it and the way there was just quite a lot of mystery, what was going to be behind the door, what was waiting for us, um, it was all just really exciting to find out more Um I can't actually remember a great deal of detail from the first run. Only I remember waking up and Kratos being confused as to why he was back out on the shore and then coming into contact with Freya and her clear shock at him being there and having forced the door to Valhalla open. She was just like, you don't get in that way. (laughs) There's another way. Uh, which was really quite fun, and it was just great to be to be reintroduced to these characters that we spent so long with in God of War, and be like, "Oh, it's Freya, she's back," and like just get really excited about seeing everybody again and being um, immersed in that world again. It was just really the overriding memory of that first run through, definitely. Yeah, the. Uh... And interesting, the the first one of the first things they say is um, uh, mentioning that Freya has made a request of Kratos, mm. and you immediately go, "Oh, it wouldn't be anything romantic; that would be lame." And then, of course, of course, the perfect way to bring Kratos' story to a conclusion is him becoming 
a god of war again mm. of the yeah. Norse lands. And just the second they say that, you just go, oh, that's just, that couldn't be more perfect. Mm. Um, and so that that made my heart sing. And then you just see how far away he is from thinking that he could do he that. He could possibly do that, yeah. He has no confidence in himself, obviously. Um, given what he's gone through, it's not surprising. Um, and he just doesn't want, he wants to... Uh, Avoid it, not touch it with a barge pole, essentially. He's like, nope, I'm not joining the council um, at all. Um, and basically, this game charts Kratos' journey to re-evaluating that idea and uh, realising that he is a very capable God of War and that he would be able to do it without, without being... Um, the man he was in the past because he's now changed he's very different um and that journey is again a very emotional introspective one and i think that's what the strength of this dlc is that it is it makes you think a lot as well as being really fun to play um in fact while we were playing through i was thinking wouldn't it be great if we just had a sort of short story or a, even a game that was just the council making decisions about about like um, the world after everyone joins. It'd be really fun. Because it does mention potential council members and they're all people I like. So uh, it'll be fun to just be like, council meeting number 257. <laughs> and just have like a long-running TV series of like the council meetings. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, that's another thing where I could any one of these characters, pretty much, especially Freya. I would love to know what Freya's been up to. Yeah, I, we could have followed her. I would have loved to have played a game that was her from meeting Odin, the first war with Odin, oh and God, all yeah. that stuff. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, and maybe we'll talk a little bit at the end about um, what this. Um, what the the added story to this and what we've what we've seen means for the future of the God of War franchise mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, so it's uh, we'll we'll touch on this several times. We mentioned it before. It is basically a big therapy violence wellness retreat <laughs> with uh, our great and lovely host, who I love. I think he's a wonderful character who is basically just a life coach guru mm -hmm. tier. Yes. Um, did you, uh, who, did you suspect who it might no have been? I had no idea. I had no idea. Before. And of course, when it was revealed, I was like, well, obviously it was tier. But before that, I had no idea. And I am disappointed in myself because I must, my investigation skills were lacking. <laughs> I was so absorbed in the fighting, I forgot to get my brain to work. And think about who could be the inviter. Um, but yes, naturally, Tia makes the most sense. Because he's, although initially, when he was first introduced, I was still, because of the lingering trauma of disguised Odin, slightly suspicious of him. <laughs> um, which which goes to show how tricksy Odin can be. Um, <laughs> the lingering impact of, of, of Ragnarok there. But uh, no, I love Tyr. I think he's great. And um, 
Even during the final battles, the boss fights with Tyr. He's so encouraging. I'm just like, oh, they're such good friends. It's so great. I don't know how you felt that, about it. Yeah, I, I had no idea. And then he reveals himself and you go, oh, of course. Yes. And he's so... He so understands mm. Kratos. He understands people, which is just, it shows that that's the kind of God of War he was. He was the person who could bring people together. Mm. And he knows that Kratos needs this. And he knows, he knows, he sees what people are capable of, just like any good life coach. Mm. And then shows them, invites them on a path that can allow them to realize that. Um, and this is a, uh, it treads a fine line um, uh, between uh, just sounding like a self-help book. Mm, yes. Um, and because there's a, something that frustrates me in, like, in TV shows and stuff is when someone's having a conversation, then one of them will says, oh, with, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, yeah. Or just these these these, these words of like wisdom, inspirational quotes like that you see on yeah. the office walls and things. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They so they, they try to find line with that yes. because because it's immersed in genuinely good storytelling. It works fine because you can tell that these characters mean these characters mean this. Yes, um, yeah. and I I do love fighting Tia because he he. One of the bits he just goes, love the beard, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, excellent. <laughs> you can tell he's just having fun. Mm. Um, and I also love how um, every time that you – it always feels like Kratos, you're trying as hard as you possibly can to mm. beat him. Yeah. And – uh, Tyr is just enjoying himself yeah. and ends every single fight by grabbing Kratos' fist, which yeah. shows that he must have so much more in the tank. Mm. And he's just, yeah, he's just lovely. And he's got such, he's got such a chilled out, mellow way of speaking mm. all the yes. time. And I just, you never felt when you were going in, you never felt alone. And I think that's a really big difference. Um, the further you back in go in God of War, how alone Kratos has been. Um, and probably this, one of the least pleasant bits in um, the main story of Ragnarok is when um, I think... It's one of Kratos' dream sequences. Mm-hmm. And I think it's him and Faye in a yeah. boat I remember with one. baby yeah. Atreus. Yeah. And um, for the first time, he hasn't got his armor on. Mm. And you just see his posture feels different. And he just looks really uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. And then that dream ends it's him him saying another part of him saying that um uh when Faye dies that part of him that she's breathed out is dead as well mm. um instead of realizing that 
he's growing he's growing as a result of these relationships and now this is the ultimate like final step for him to take in going yes i have changed yes i want to do more yes i'm capable of more um and just him always having company now and company that he enjoys mm. is very a very beautiful thing and the the clear um he him and Tyr have only just met really because mm. he's they've actually yeah. found the real Tyr and yeah. just through this process that he's been invited to and then the fighting that you can see the way when they grasp hands at the end how much that's a immediately a very intimate relationship mm. for Kratos yeah no I think he does judge a lot of people by how they fight and things just in his own character so to have so many fights with Tyr it means that he knows him like you say quite intimately um which is really cool yeah what did you I want to know what you thought of the introduction of Helios <laughs> oh Helios oh oh my god oh my god mm. that is the most the most inspired like story bit of story yeah like the, the, the tension when he's introduced is really quite palpable as well because mm. you don't know what's happening suddenly everything's changed and it's gone back to uh, the original greek setting um from the old god of war games and I obviously was quite unfamiliar with it um, because I'd never played them in any great detail. Um, but Tom, my partner, immediately knew. He was like, oh, my God, it's the originals. This is the bit with the cage. And I was like, what bit with the cage? Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my about. God, yeah. Um, and then you, you end up burning uh, the head of Helios inside the cage. and Or is it? Yes, you do. You put it in there to start with, which is what I think Kratos originally did. And then he realises that's not what he should be doing. And eventually you work out that he has to put himself in that position, put himself in those shoes, as it were, um, sacrifice himself to be able to move through to the next part of his journey, his therapeutic journey, as it were, um, which is really cool and interesting because that is probably how a lot of real therapy works. Um, I think you, can, you get the sense that a lot of the people involved have been to therapy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <as an outside laughs> observer. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious in itself. But yeah, that was, that was really tense, that whole scene, um, I remember. And I thought the character of Helios, the voice actor, is amazing. Initially, I thought it was... Um, David Hyde Pierce, you know, the guy that plays Niles from Fraser, Fraser's Really? Um, Interesting. But it was, it's someone who's done a lot of um, voice work. He was the original voice of Helios in God of War and he's done a lot. He was? Lot, yeah. He's done wow. an awful lot of anime and other things like that. So he's quite a prolific voice actor. But his, his voice acting is amazing. I think he's a great um, character, even though he's really annoying as a character is really funny when he pops up on on Kratos's hip and replaces Mimir 
occasionally. And what I like about it, the fact that it's a road like that element is random as well, or at least it feels like it is. Um, so you could pop up at any point in your, in your run through. And sometimes you might get, you might stay with me all the way through, which is a really cool, um, part of it, I yeah. think, as well. When, like the the most the the first intense bit is so yeah you you arrive in Greece yeah. and then you say something and you, oh just a bit and you go what and he goes where is maybe is I don't even get a hello after all this time for one of your most auspicious victims mm. and he goes hello Helios where is Mimir? oh I don't know let's go and find him. Mm. And you go, and just it took me a moment to realise. Of course, it's a head. Mm-hmm. How? What's the perfect way to have a character from Kratos's past be there? Have a head that replaces a Mimir. Yeah, yeah. And then the immediate—that's a, a an immediately recognisable part of, um, I think, the first game where you have to push something. You have to get, say, an enemy at a cage, and you push it up and you sacrifice it. Uh. Yeah. And so it's sort of I knew that that was going to happen, and then you get to the point where you go, "Oh, of course, I'm going to put Helios in the cage." Yeah, and then you go, "Ah, ha, ha. and that's Kratos going through the path that he had gone in the past, and he mm. wouldn't, he wouldn't have thought anything different of." But then when he's pulled the lever, and then Mimir just goes, "Brother." Yeah, I know. Oh my god, I was like, "Oh my god, we need to get him out of the cage," and he's Kratos is properly panicking as well. And it's actually quite upsetting to watch. You're just like, we need to help them immediately. But of course, you know it's going to be fine because it's a roguelike. But at the at the time, you're just like, this is a terrible situation to be in. It's awful. I want to ask yeah. you another thing as well. From from that particular section, we also get introduced to a new form of rage. What did you think of that? Oh. That yeah, was such an epic uh, introduction with the music have, and everything. And the colours on the screen as well. Oh, God. So good. Oh, God. The music in Greece. Just so We haven't even gotten onto Greece yet. No. <laughs> yeah. We've got so we're sort of half, partially into Greece, and that's where you go. We have, again, you're going in. You have no idea the scope of what this thing is going to be. And you go, oh, my God, there's a little bit of grease. Mm, and we've got Helios. creeping in. The, the pots change. And, the pots uh, change. Yeah. The music. It's just majestic. And so once you've almost sat, it's, yeah, it is horrible seeing Kratos literally ripping the cage apart to get Mimir out. And then Sigrid has to come and save them. Yes. And then Freya arrives and says, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And she goes, is this what this is about, my request? And he goes, and just the more the more uh, runs you go through, the more that Kratos relaxes. Mm. And every time you, you find one of his um, artifacts from his past and going through the therapeutic process of going, oh, yes, this is something that I regret that I... I hate myself yeah. for, and you need to. It's not about necessarily forgiving. It's more about just accepting and going. Yeah, this happened. I did this. I'm where I am now. 
I can do the what can I do the best that I can now. Yeah. Um, and doing that with lots of violence is very empowering, actually. Yeah. Because you can go, I've got this. I found, did you say you found the flute? Yes, I've got two out of three Calliope's flutes, who I think is his daughter, who I know in the past, obviously, his first wife and daughter died at, by his own hands, essentially. Um, I don't know the exact, exact details, but basically they die because of him, <laughs> which is not a not a nice thing. Um, and so he's he's talking about how he had to go back into to face um, the goddess of the underworld, I think it was, and he's saying that he had to leave his daughter behind and it actually was her and that he had to leave her behind to stand against the goddess of the underworld and so he essentially had to leave her to die twice over. And that's the part where I've got to, is the two-thirds of the way through through that particular one. Um, Yeah, yeah. it's just... Again, the, I have done an an insane amount of therapy, so I recognise. Yeah. I recognise. Oh, yeah, this is the process. Yeah. <laughs> They're reflecting a, a genuine process mm-hmm. of um, of stuff because reflecting um, and reframing. I think that's an important uh, part of therapy, isn't it? Um, is understanding that sometimes things are not your fault, and uh, that's okay. And yeah, that's what Kratos is is essentially doing, isn't he? Hopefully, yeah. which is weird because he's, being... he's an entirely fictional character. But you can tell how invested we are just because the writing's so good, and the character, and just the world that they've built is so good that we're so invested. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And the the having Helios is just a visionary way of um, bringing in self-hatred and self-doubt because everything so that clever. Helios is saying is stuff so that's what it's Kratos like he's thinks the little voice inside Kratos's head literally but on his hip um that's <laughs> he's not good enough or like he needs to be better or that he was the one that was wrong or a monster um yeah it's really clever there's all sorts of little touches isn't there and he, Helios has so many lines mm. that he just throws in all the time. The sheer amount of writing that they've put in is is they deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Um, and one of my favourites was uh, something like, oh, "Oh, I hope it brings you unrelenting torment." Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's so sassy and bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Complete opposite uh, to Mamiya. <laughs> yeah. I feel so much better when um, Mamiya, yeah. um, when you go down the ropes swing and it's mm, Mamiya it's still on your hip. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, I'd love Kratos and Mamiya's conversation and talking to another thing, uh, almost all of the... Um, the first one is pretty much all about Kratos still. It's mm-hmm. Kratos's journey. Um, whereas in this one, uh, God of War Ragnarok and then this, um, Kratos um, lets in other people and allows his actions to become um, based on them. 
Yes. So yeah. with um, quite apart from Atreus actually going off and doing things on his own, Kratos does things to help Freya. He kills all these berserkers for Mimir, trying to help things and do these things. And that allows other stories to come in and mm-hmm. strengthens those characters. Mm-hmm. So Mimir and Sigrid have a very sweet relationship. Yes. And uh, it was one of the most beautiful little lines of dialogue where she's he, Mimir says to her, is telling Kratos this, and it says, she said, uh, I, I believe I'm quite smitten with you. Mm. May I kiss you? And yeah. that's just, oh. It's so nice. It's so nice. Another thing I was thinking is what's so cool about it is that Mimir's, when he's away from Kratos, is experiencing his own Valhalla as well and mm. talks to Kratos about that. So it's like they're sharing each other, they're sharing their own struggles with each other as well, which is really good um, in terms of their relationship as well. I really want to know more about um, Mimir's Valhalla. He keeps referring to his time in Scotland with an old master, uh, which is fascinating as well. Yeah, it just made me think I would, I would love. They, this would be way too much work for them to do, but I would love for Freya to go through Valhalla mm. or yes. Thor or Sif. Yeah, I'd love to experience what those because another another element of therapy is um it's a unpleasant process Mm, yes it's a it's not easy it no and it takes a lot of um stopping and looking back and thinking about bad things that have happened to you and probably especially bad things that you may have done. Yeah. It's much easier just to try and forget them and not think about yeah. them. Um, and it, it, it would be much simpler if you could just fight your way mm, yeah. through processing things. That would be nice. Um, I wonder if mm. so. I think Sigrun, Sigrun has fought in Valhalla. Yes, she's gone through it. Um, Tia's gone through it. Yes. Mimir's going through it. Kratos mm-hmm. is going through it. Um, do you think Freya would do it if she had the option? I think she probably should, given um, <laughs> what she's gone through the last two games. Um, I think it would be very brave of her um, to do it, because that's the hardest thing, isn't it? Taking that step to realising, yes, I will go and do this, um, is often the hardest part, is accepting that you might need to do that. And actually, go- and doing the first session is often the scariest one. Because that's where you feel the most vulnerable. Um, speaking as someone who's done there and a couple of therapies before, not anything major, but uh, um, I definitely have done it. So I know how it feels, and it is it is very nerve wracking. You feel very vulnerable because you're like, right, I'm going to talk about myself, and I don't like talking about myself very much. 
Um, it's an uncomfortable process for a lot of people. And I think it is a learned skill, is being able to reflect and look at stuff and think about it in a different way and to be open to forgiving yourself or or just looking at things differently. It takes a lot of work. Like you say, Matt, it's not easy and um, it can be quite surprising. The stuff you can dig up that's been buried or that you've pushed away and forgotten about, that can get kind of revealed, as it were. And when you talk about it after a long time, uh, it can be quite freeing and uh, and things. But initially it's very upsetting, obviously, a lot of the time. And I think it's reflected really well in, in the gameplay, which is not, you know, not something you expect to say about a God of War game. Um, you expect to say it about things like um, senior sacrifice, things like that, because that's obviously, the focus is definitely on mental health there. But to have it, I mean, it's definitely developed since the new reboot of God of War, but this is by far the most, um, you know, you can you can apply it most readily to mental health and mental health struggles, uh, which I think is really cool. And a really cool part of of gaming in general. Um, The power that games have to make us reflect on our own lives and things. Yeah, a serious serious, um, thing about therapy that uh, isn't repeated enough is that it's not for it. It's not for it's not just for broken, broken Mm. people. If you think therapy is for someone who is broken and needs putting back together, everyone can benefit from therapy some area and that's an area of um taboo around it which yeah. needs to be um which needs to be um talked out of very often um, people turn to it as a last resort when they are broken before like when it's too late almost um obviously it's never too late to have therapy but uh, i can recommend yeah. it but really you should be like you say that it's it's more like a maintenance thing sometimes isn't it just checking in um, it's like physical health, the same way you would go to a doctor and get checked up, or you would hope to go to a doctor and get checked up. Um, you need to think about it in the same way for your mental health as well. Yeah, I think this does a really good job of Kratos is about as strong as a physically strong as yeah, and like mentally able to be in control. Um, but the scariest things to him are looking at his past. And actually talking to Mimir about these things is an insanely brave thing for him to be doing because him going and fighting something is is just completely normal to him. But talking to Mimir about Calliope, talking about this boat captain that he killed multiple times, mm. and they're just ways to look at your past and looking at the past is important to a point just so that it's not in control of how you mm-hmm. behave yeah. in the present because that's what this Valhalla experience is about his fears from the past and making him not want to be yeah. the new god of war when they're he goes limiting him, aren't they? because he's afraid it will repeat itself uh and on a number of other things as well but yeah it actually has made me th- think while you've been talking it also reflects how important it is, especially for men, 
to talk and how hard it is for mm. men to talk because of things like the patriarchy and toxic masculinity and and yes I'm physically strong I'm the alpha male I can't have feelings I can't talk about my feelings and actually it's really important to be able to step back and say well yes it's okay to talk about my feelings and I need to talk about my feelings um it is a problem uh for men in society and we know that uh based even on like the numbers of male suicides every year you know that their percentage is far higher um so it is a problem in society and uh, it does make well to think about how can we tackle it in terms of just talking more about mental health and uh being more open about it it's really important yeah it's the things of with men it's that feelings make you weak mm. women have feelings you don't want to be a woman do you and then not dealing with your feelings is what is the most damaging thing mm. and kratos clearly feels very deeply and that it's not enough to be strong physically and mentally mm. if you're not you can't control your feelings and so you need to work on your feelings and then that will make you stronger and i sound like tear now yeah it's just and such a just, it's such a good game though isn't it that we're having yeah. these discussions it's just like yes this is exactly what we all need i would recommend everyone play it just for to like to take away those messages definitely i mean we all take what we want from it don't we but um it's just so good. I think it's spot on. We'll come to so we'll just um, bring this bring this one to a close. Um, what was the last story? So, do you know what is behind the door in Tears Arena? No. Wait. 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 No, I don't think so. All the big I know, scary. I saw oh, it oh, oh. when you when you posted because you posted a playthrough to our YouTube channel um, of your colorblind mode and it had the door as a different color and i thought oh there's something there behind the door i don't know whether my brain being my brain has just deleted it entirely from my memory or if i haven't actually gone through the door but for spoilers sake i'll say i haven't gone through the door no well we'll have to once you've uh, discovered yes what's behind there mm-hmm. we can do a we can do a follow-up episode awesome yeah i look forward to that very much all right that was that was that was awesome thank you very much alex and thank you everyone else for watching slash listening uh you know that we release new content every thursday and uh if you want to well wherever you listen to your podcasts or watch us on youtube if you want to support us you can subscribe to our patreon where we have got uh, a couple of uh, bits of exclusive content at patreon.com slash gaming the system. Or if you want to give us a one-off donation, you can donate to us via PayPal to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com. Until next time, we have been Matt and Alex. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.